Hi, this is Mike with Palms of Pines Parasports, episode 29 of Getting Everyone Moving. And today we have Tommy Storms of the American Association of Adapted Sports. Hey, Tommy. Hey, how are you, Mike? Doing all right. Hey, so let's get right into this. Um, how did you become involved in the adapted sports field? I am actually a radio and television personality uh, whose background was also in theater and performance and uh, that sort of thing. So I was head of an academic department uh, for the art institutes where I was running the music business program and some of my kids needed something to do to uh, involve them in the community more, especially with regard to we were dealing with shootings and uh, a lot of things that were happening in Atlanta at the time. I took my kids to an adapted sports program and guess what? Everybody's life changed. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're a co-founder of um, American Association of Adapted Sports. Um, what, what exactly does the organization do? We realized much as, um, as others have over time, that if someone with a physical disability wanted to engage in sport, there were so many barriers in their way. There wasn't really an athletic association looking out for them. There wasn't any uh, training that was standardized. Uh, accessibility was, was far beyond just, can I get inside the building? So when the Paralympics came here in 1996, leading up to that, uh, we as educators in the schools, I was volunteering for a school program. I remained volunteering with that program after seeing what it had really done and wound up getting the college and the schools involved together. Uh, I, I realized there needed to be some sort of structure uh, to allow the parks and rec across town to communicate with the school or vice versa or all of them together so that we were all on the same page. How was it gonna help? Because what we were seeing was if uh, you played football, but at a different time of year under a different set of rules than what I was trying to do. So it really, we banged that hammer of we need standardization and we need structure. And so that's what we created in the American Association of Adapted Sports Programs. So in, in Atlanta, I mean, are all the different school systems involved? Do you do uh, you know, like a Paralympic day in schools? How, how exactly do you implement your program? We are in alliance with the Georgia High School Association. Uh, and that was created after about our first five years because we realized we were gonna to have to do it, show it and let people see it before they were actually gonna jump in. Mm. Not because our educators don't want to serve these kids, but frankly, no one was showing them how. And no one had a plan uh, to, uh, to involve these kids in a way that was meaningful and affected their graduation rates and et cetera. So that's how we implemented through Georgia High School. But we, um, in the beginning, we wanted to do it like Minnesota has done it. And we still think that is the gold standard. Those parents stepped forward and for nine years, they lobbied their state legislature for any sort of intervention. And finally, the state legislature said, you know what, let's charge $125 a school. I mean, 
what is that really? They yeah. could do it a bank sale. It raised over half a million dollars. It created an infrastructure for the schools to feed into, and they started with a process. Ours in Georgia is voluntary. So not every school participates, but those who have the uh, kids do, and those who want to develop a program, we generally help them by finding the funding and getting them started. So do you work with middle schools or elementary schools as well, or is it, yes. So talk about that. We are grade, we're through grades one through 12, uh, and depending on the state that you reside in, that can mean that those students are up to age 21. There are delayed graduations because of surgeries and, and other life events that happen to a child with a disability. So uh, as long as they are still enrolled in school, we serve them. So I've, I've found, you know, in coaching youth in wheelchair basketball that um, playing sport really helps their academic performance as well. I mean, it really, you know, upgrades. And so have you found that as well? We have about every three years, we poll our school systems and we ask them uh, about their seniors and about the students that they've seen come through. So we do collect data on a regular basis in part because we're funded through our department of education. And uh, what we found was that while the national graduation rate was about 52% for this population, ours, we're 88% over the last three years that we did. Mm. That meant, and what we were looking for was that they graduated either with a regular diploma or they were, uh, had been on track for their IEPs and had graduated with a special diploma, but still had graduated. And then we tracked them for another three years, and we haven't done this in about six years uh, due to funding. <laughs> but we, we hope to in this next year. What happened in the following three years? 25% of those were going on to college. Uh, another, uh, I'm, I'm gonna say another 23 or 24% were pursuing a trade of some sort. So that was just really encouraging to us. And uh, it is important to know what impact your program's having. Yeah, that, that's amazing. You know, one of the things that I'm trying to work on is uh, get some more colleges where I live in Southern California to try and offer collegiate level adaptive sport programs mm -hmm. because it's just a handful of colleges that offer these at the moment. Um, what do you think we need to do to get more collegiate level adaptive sport programs? You know, our training director for nine years was Ron Likens. Uh, he oh. coaches the men's, you know, Ron, uh, just about everybody does. Great guy. Uh, Ron uh, coaches the Missouri uh, team. And we had these conversations here for many, many years. Um, I think that there are still so many challenges that we are facing as a society when it comes to these kids and uh, their abilities that it's whack-a-mole, right? You're involved in the movement. If, it's, uh, if you can find the kids, then it's finding that principal or that parks and rec who's willing to uh, let you, to be their host, to store those wheelchairs, to let them play. If you're able to get that done, it's how to get the visibility and convincing your sports people at the local newspaper, even that this is worthy of putting in the sports section. Uh, we don't have that problem here anymore, but we did. But to answer your question, I think visibility uh, of the need 
awareness of the tremendous benefits that are saving us money like crazy as taxpayers by empowering these kids. And then it's funding. And none of that is going to happen without some some research. And I think a national uh, push to really put some public service information out there so that our educators and our parks and rec people know you're not alone. There are people who've done this and are doing it successfully. We're here to help. Uh, Let us help. Yeah, you know, recently I know of um, some youth who live in San Diego who, you know, had to go to, they went to Arizona to play wheelchair basketball, again, because there's no collegiate level wheelchair basketball programs in California. San Diego State has started to do some really good stuff. And hopefully after COVID, they're really going to, you know, move forward even more. But it is, it's a really, it's a, it's a tough issue because, you know, there are many kids who have played throughout their entire lives. And then, you know, there aren't many options in terms of college. Yeah, we have a we have a young man who signed a full scholarship uh, yesterday to Cab County, a young man named Devin White. Uh, and we have a young lady who, who signed, uh, well, actually we have three of our seniors who signed last year. And we're very excited and very, uh, very proud of them. But there are families who want to be closer to home. And where's that university? Um, the problem, and maybe you found this trouble, this problem too, Mike, uh, but this is our 25th year. We have raised millions of dollars in that time and served thousands of kids. But we are, we find we are the last to be funded after everyone else and the first to have that funding pulled. So in 2008, for example, we were, uh, we were an organization spending about $800,000 just in grants to other groups uh, in order to, uh, to get programs going. Just in the state of Georgia, we were 36 programs, it, which is unheard of. And 2008, and the governor and other people need to cut money. And what's the first to go? It's, it's often, unfortunately, those who were least served, who got in when, it, when, when, the, when times were good. But now that's got to go. And so we've got to be, people have to stop seeing us as sort of a fringe or a small uh, uh, cause, because I think we're much bigger and we need that campaign, that public service campaign to raise that awareness. So, you know, you talk about being a fringe, but when I think of sport and the people that I've seen who have played, you know, adapted sport, you know, there, there is this sense of confidence building, of, you know, becoming more empowered, becoming an advocate. I mean, how, how do you think we get more people with, you know, a variety of abilities, I mean, to really become, you know, these strong advocates so that the funds don't get cut? We believe when we founded this organization that we had to become the people in the back seat as quickly as possible. Our board chair right now is a young lady named Nancy Turnipseed. At six years old, Nancy, who was born with spina bifida, was on our DeKalb team. She grew up, she graduated, she went to Arizona State. She wound up not playing sports as much there as becoming an educator, but came back. She's now our board. She's now my boss. I've known her since she was six years old. She's now my boss. And it's her voice uh, that we need to get behind. Uh, But it is doing what we're doing and empowering those leaders to step forward. And I think that's advocacy training. And uh, there are great groups here in Georgia anyway that are doing that. But we need to do more of that on the sports side. 
and, and I think we need to address the messaging of the person who's acquired a disability will talk about getting back in the game and people get it and they know how to talk sports because they weren't born with that disability. But then there's that child and there's quite a lot of those too, about a million kids who getting in the game is, is something that's not even familiar to them. Talk about somebody who has a life of growing up with a disability, they most need that advocacy training because they've been pushed to the back and they, they, they will sit back. It's one reason why our teams are only for those with disabilities. Those without disabilities can play in as teams are building, but we don't let able-bodied players dominate because they will, because they've been taught to help. And the kids who have the disability will back off. And we see those like graduation rates and different results. I don't know about graduation rates, but certainly the grades and their attitude begin to fall off because they fade into the background again. Uh, so it's so important just again empowering these kids and giving the message to, to uh, our young adults who don't have a disability yes assist us yes stand with us but don't do it for us right 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 and then yeah ensuring that people with disability are involved I think is I mean it's Absolutely. just vital you know what what is it that you want um, I did an interview yesterday with a, a, a Keel Whitehead and, you know, that's what he said. I mean, obviously we need to be at the table. You know, that's, that's the only way that things will change. Um, how do we, so along these same kind of lines, I mean, you know, inclusion is a really big thing uh, in the U.S. I mean, on a number of levels, of course. But how, what else can we do to create more societal inclusion? It sounds like you've done a lot in the Atlanta area, but you know, how do we do that? I mean, across the US and more broadly, I mean, you know, across the world. I think we need to expand our thinking in inclusion. It can look a lot of different ways. Here are educators, uh, our, our organization has been accused of not being so inclusive because as I said, our teams are, are comprised completely of those with disabilities. They're like, how is that inclusion? We're like, they are playing in the same gyms. Their siblings, their friends from school are playing. It's how is it different from girls' sports yeah. and boys' sports? Mm -hmm. Girls, boys, those with disabilities, we play to our strengths. And what we see in doing that is that while inclusion has been wonderful for opening doors, it's closed some doors. We now have one or two kids that are in a school that really are not involved in a community in a larger way so that parents and families are talking about the very issues that are facing them. Like, boy, those insurance costs, and man, that wheelchair is $5,000 now. And how do we as parent advocates, they, you've got to get together to be able to do that. But how do we expand it? We expand the idea of inclusion and we frankly begin seeing each other for the very unique strengths that, that each of us has. And that's, that's gonna take a lot more listening. Um, I know that when I started this as someone without a disability, just the business person behind yeah. it, it wasn't in four years in and a young 14 year old mm. shifted me for life. He came in and he was on the court and he was looking around and he just, he was so excited 
about what was happening and that he was doing it on his own and that, and that he wasn't being placated and the words just came falling out of his mouth. This is the only place I've ever been able to come where my disability isn't an issue. Yeah. Let that land for a minute. Yeah, that's profound. The whole program is designed around his disability to remove all those barriers, but this was the thing we did. Yeah. It, it, that, there you have it. When the disability yeah. isn't an issue, now you've truly achieved inclusion. Yeah, yeah you know, and I, I have interviewed Ron Likens and, and other, you know, professional coaches. And, you know, one of the questions I ask is, um, you know, do you see, the, do you see the, the wheelchair? I mean, do you see the other disability? And they say, you know, no, you know, they're athletes. That's right. And that was the first thing at the very first board meeting when we were founded 25 years ago. Um, Bev Vaughn, my co-founder, who really is the genius behind our, our programming. Uh, she stood in front of uh, Ann Cody, who was one of our, for our board members. She's you know now with the IPC and working for the State Department. Ron was there, uh, a lot of other names I can name, in a, in a living room in Pine Lake, Georgia. And she said, how how long can we say, come to this sports day or come to see Paralympic days in the school to see the equipment you might use if only you could afford it from coaches you might be able to work with if only there were people who were training them just regularly and really putting them out there uh, in, in venues that you might be able to access. How long can we keep doing that? I'm unwilling to do it any longer. She said, I'm not gonna do it anymore. We're going to find a way to break down those barriers. And that's what we've been about. Yeah. And you know, I mean, Ron was saying the Paralympics have really changed. He was telling me, you know, at his first Paralympics, the athletes had to pay, you know, their way, right? Yeah. Um, and now I think, you know, through media, of course, Paralympics have been elevated so that more people know, but, you know, there still seems to be this gap. I mean, still there are a lot of people who are just not aware, uh, you know, of these incredible elite athletes. So wh where else? I mean, you, you, you touched a little bit upon the media. Um, I mean, what else do we do on a, you know, on a daily basis to, again, just create more of this awareness? You know, uh, there's a saying, you can't push the river. <laughs> but, you stand, but you can stand up in it. Okay, I hadn't heard you that. Stand up and be seen, right? Yeah. So all I know to say is that that's what my organization has done. Our organization has done, and and it has worked from the sense of uh, you're a parent in Georgia with a student uh, with a disability. You want to participate in sport. You call your school system. They, because of the Department of Education and because of our alliance with Georgia High School, they're responsible now immediately to contact us or Georgia High School. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they let us know what the disability is. And we, if they are uh, in an area where we have team sports, we get them hooked up right away. If they're not in an area where we have team sports, we talk to them about something like beat baseball or wheelchair tennis or uh, certainly track and field, which we do, track and field we do with Georgia High School. So that's done. And because it happens regularly, 
every every three months we have another sport coming up every three months we have another training we train the officials we train the coaches uh we train the administrators we have an administrative guide we have the policies we have the best practices that we've we've developed it looks like a duck quacks like a duck it is a duck it is sports and there's a system and you tie in that's how you do it again with systems and with standardization it not a not this sort of scattershot that that we've had not because people have have wanted it to be that way, but again, because funding has been so not regular, research has research is so needed still uh, that our own board is is frustrated by. Uh, but 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 there you have it. It rolls. It just rolls, and we just keep doing it, and we stand up in that river, and people go, "Wow, look what Georgia's doing. Maybe we can do it too." So that's what we do all day long: is talk with folks like you. Um, I talked with a parent at a university uh, just yesterday uh, about her son uh, who uh, has a disability and is playing sports there and some of her challenges. Uh, so we stand for each other and we stand up in the river and we, we create things for people to come and, and, uh, and learn and then do it on their own. Yeah, you know, I've spoken with um, a few professors who do do this research. There's one at um, Georgia State, uh, Deborah Shapiro. She's on uh, the board. Uh -huh. Yeah, James Madison University, Kathy McKay, Josh Pate, yes. and you know, I I kind of felt there, you know, there was a little bit of this gap right between these professors and then the practitioners. And the question is, you know, how do we kind of bring this whole group together so that we have, you know, we have data driven information to present to funders and then hopefully there's more funding you know that will be available based on that and of course outcomes i mean how again how do we get this whole movement to kind of you know move forward in a similar direction i think that we exhaust the the families who are participating in studies and in sports and that our families don't realize how important it is that they respond anyway. Mm. Uh, mm. This was a problem with the ADA and it might be, I recall that Thurgood Marshall had written actually uh, something about that uh, when they were trying to put together the ADA that their, the biggest challenge they had was just getting the community to step forward and speak to the very things we wanted the law to address. Uh, so I would say to your listeners, your stories do matter. You know, if I can tell a funder, this young lady lost her leg to an accident and, and was, and this is so, so common and you know it is, and considered taking my own life, but I found sport and it changed that life. And now I'm, I'm on my way to college. Yeah. Um, that, that story is just as important as the grandparent who says, I've got a relationship with my grandson I didn't know I was going to have. I, I, I'm the soccer granddad with the soccer dad or, or we're, doing, we're doing football, not just watching football. Um, those are moving stories because the rest of us take it for granted if we don't have that disability. We just aren't awake to it. And the moment that we are, the moment that someone steps into that gym, lives change. Yeah, it's so true. I, I have many stories as well. Um, so we're getting towards the end of our of our interview of the podcast. 
What, what is a message that you'd like to leave people with, you know, about uh, adapted sports? I mean, what do you say? What more do you say to, you know, the general population? And what do you say to, you know, that's someone who maybe just has had an accident and, you know, is feeling like, you know, they're very depressed? I think the most important message I would want folks to get first is that just because you get a no or just because you get pushback initially, know that it isn't necessarily that people don't care. We have so learned this with our teachers in our schools across the country. It's that you're going to need to grow together and see each other as being on the same team. I will tell you, we're school-based, so I will tell you that educators are in their business because they care about what they do. Mm -hmm. And that means your success. That means the success of, of every student they have. But when we go in with a hammer instead of uh, a fig leaf, if you will, you're gonna watch people back up so quickly. Our success has been that we have not made people bad and wrong. We instead have made them friend, and colleague to learn together. Uh, when that happens, minds, doors, pocketbooks open up and you're gonna be able to create something amazing together. Yeah, terrific. Well, Tommy, thank you so much. Terrific interview, really appreciate it. Thank you. I, uh, I tend to ramble, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's always great to speak with colleagues and people in this community. It is just the best place in the world to be for me. <laughs> Thanks again. You too. Take care, Mike.